Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Sadly, this is what home sounds like for many of America's heroes. During this crisis, many veterans are living on the street, sleeping on nothing more than cardboard. You can help. Donate at cardboardtoheadboard.org. Happy New Year, Fangirl Nation. You are listening to Fangirl Sports Network's Get My Job podcast. I am your host, Tracy Sandler, and today I am so excited to be joined by Katie O'Reilly, Chief Revenue Officer for the Philadelphia 76ers. Katie shares the importance of being open to opportunities, having the confidence to know you don't know everything, and being present where you are. She also talks about the innovative mindset of the 76ers and how that mindset has changed the game. And Katie went to the University of Michigan, so I was thrilled. You're going to love this episode, so let's get to it. Katie, thank you so much for joining me for the first Get My Job podcast of 2021. Wow, I didn't even think about that. Thank you for having me. I'm honored. (laughs) Absolutely, absolutely. This is a great way for us to start the new year. And I just want to jump right in. You've had such an interesting and exciting career and a career in something that's so much a part of what so many of us are doing right now that I'm, I'm very excited to talk to you about it. So if you could just start kind of by taking us through your professional journey uh, that brought you to the 76ers and now to your current position as the chief revenue officer. Absolutely. My pleasure. Um, So I should start with that. I am uh, from Philadelphia, grew up in Philly, diehard four for four sports fan. Um, Went to college out in Michigan, graduated college as one of those people who was like, oh, I want to do sports marketing and had Absolutely no idea what that meant. Um, I actually and- have to interrupt you because I forgot <laughs> you went to the University of Michigan and I too yes. went to the University of Michigan. No, uh, so, I didn't know that. Uh, yes, and I, I saw that yesterday and I was very excited. So I'm glad you brought it up. Go blue. The best. Go blue. I mean, we biggest living alumni base. Like we are just everywhere. Um, we amazing. are. You can't escape us. I love it. I love it. Well, huge. You'll, we could talk about this forever. We, I, I, I yes. won't digress. Um, but it, it's so funny. Like it is such a huge part. I always like to start and tell people that because it is a huge part of my career path. You know, I graduated kind of thinking that I wanted to go into sports, having no idea what that meant and leverage the Michigan alumni network, um, which is something I always tell people. It's like, utilize your resources, utilize your network. And I was introduced to a ton of people in sports marketing um, through the Alumni Association. One happened to be in New York and um, put me in touch with folks at the Garden. And that sort of, you know, catapulted my career from there. I started, I literally accepted a seasonal making no money in Manhattan group sales, um, selling group tickets job at Madison Square Garden. You know, one of those jobs that my parents were like, you're crazy. What are you doing? You're moving to Manhattan um, and making no money. And I was like, yes, it's going to be my foot in the door. And it was great. You know, like you learn a ton. Um, And from there was introduced to folks um, who then introduced me to my 
current boss, um, Chris Heck. He's now the president of the Philadelphia 76ers at the time. He and Scott O'Neill, who's the CEO uh, of Harris Blitzer Sports and Entertainment and the 76ers, um, they were at the NBA. And so I met Chris Heck. I moved over to the NBA um, and was in team marketing and business operations for a number of years, um, working at the NBA is amazing. I always joke, you know, that working at the NBA is like basically like getting your MBA and I'll, and I'll never do it because you learn so much about the business. Um, mm-hmm. you see how it all works from soup to nuts. Um, it was a phenomenal experience. And I also obviously met the folks who became sort of my career mentors and, and people I stayed in touch with in Chris and in Scott. Um, we all did go our separate ways after spending time together at the NBA. Um, from there, I, actually went over to IMG. At the time, they were just starting um, their college business. Um, So IMG College, they had just um, purchased the marketing and multimedia rights to about 90 plus university athletic departments um, and conferences. And we were leveraging that as a national platform for the first time. So worked with a small team based in New York, selling national college marketing partnerships. Um, awesome experience. You know, I think when you're at the MBA and in Teambo, which I was, which is essentially this internal consultant group after I'm, you know, I'm consulting with my 10 teams on, on sponsorships and marketing. And I was like, you know, I kind of, I kind of want to go do it myself, be on the front lines myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when, went and did that. And then from there, um, actually went to more of a startup um, under the RSE Ventures umbrella, uh, worked at um, an agency at the time, which was called Insignia Sports and Entertainment. They were essentially um, trying to really create the next IMG. They still exist. They're now call ascendant. Really cool opportunity to, to really you know, see it from a, a more startup perspective. Um, I will say that I remember my phone calls to Scott O'Neill and Chris Heck when I was thinking about taking this job and they're both like, it sounds great. Like do it, go for it. And then lo and behold, a very short time later, they were the ones who called me back and said, Hey, remember that job we just told you to took? Um, and, and, and you did it. Um, we just took over the Sixers and <laughs> we want you to come with us. It's like, okay. So I, I was, I was very, I had a quick stint at this startup agency. Um, because when you're sort of career mentors, call you and tell you they just took over your hometown team and they want you to come. It's not really something you think twice about. <laughs> no, definitely not. Exactly. So did that, made the move to Philly. Um, eight years later, here I am <laughs> and have gone through probably every job you can imagine at the Sixers. I started in business development, selling, um, moved over and ran marketing for about four to five years and am now overseeing the revenue side. So it's, it's been an adventure. It's been really fun. That's amazing. That's, that's a great, great story. And I'm just so happy that it started at the university of Michigan, but it's a, <laughs> it is a, it's a fantastic story. And so I want to back up a little bit and, sure. and talk about your marketing days, because I think to, in today's world, as I mentioned briefly at the very beginning, social media marketing is so much of, like what all of us are doing. And so I want to start that. And you were very innovative and created a number of innovative initiatives. Is that something you were just always born with? Was it something you learned along the way? Or, or where does that mindset come from? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, I, I think it's it's definitely in our DNA at the 76ers. You know, we like to do things differently. We like to be first. We like to, you know, sort of make 
a big splash. Um, mm-hmm. It's what we like to do. We like to push the boundaries. You know, when I, I remember literally in my first couple months on the job um, with the organization and my job was to, you know, secure large scale partners. You know, our, our philosophy really was like, we'll do anything as long as it's legal. Like if you can sign this off with our legal team, like we are game to do it. Um, we like to push the boundaries. We like to have fun. We really take the why not approach to everything that we do. Um, and we love finding like-minded partners to make it happen. So it's, it's definitely, um, I think something that, that we pride ourselves on at the 76ers. You can see it in a number of things we've done both on the marketing and the business side, whether it's, we literally launched the first in-house and team operated um, innovation lab. And we were mm-hmm. the first team to sign a Jersey patch partner. Um, and then you saw on the marketing side, all the cool stuff we did from, you know, the art exhibition to, I mean, you name it like Jersey launches. I, it's just who we are. Um, it is who we are as a brand. It is who we are as an organization, you know, both externally, how we represent ourselves and then internally, how we train and grow our people. Um, and I think it's, it's been, you know, especially important just in a, in a marketplace and in a world where, you know, entertainment discretionary dollars are, are just so, so competitive right now. And the space is so cluttered, like to stand out, how do you make an impact? How do you stand out from the clutter? It's doing things differently. Um, and we really prided ourselves, ourselves on doing that. So you mentioned the Sixers Innovation Lab. Can you yes. tell our listeners a little bit more about that, how it came about and, and you know, what, what are you guys are doing? Of course, this is one of my favorite stories to tell. Just, I think it really encapsulates everything about, you know, who we are and what we do. It started literally as one of my jobs. We were building our training complex. So at the time, um, we are, our team literally practiced at like a college um, and we're like tying their sneakers in a hallway with college students stepping over them. Like you can't make this up. So it was like, it was a really different world. We were building a brand new training complex. We were so excited. Um, so I was charged with, Hey, every vendor, everyone that comes in the door to, to build this building, let's have a conversation with them. And how can we partner um, and leverage our brand to grow theirs? That's what we do. We like to find like-minded partners and together make a splash together. And so literally I was having conversations with furniture companies, like office furniture, literally like the desks uh-huh. and the chairs. And, um, and we happened to have this 10,000 square foot space on the first floor of our complex that at the time we still didn't know what to do with. It was still remnant space and we were determining what was going to go in there. And so I'm having these conversations with furniture partners and I'm like, you know, come on board with us. You can use it as a, as a space to like a showroom, display your furniture, things like that, which like, you know, I'm coming up with these ideas. I think they're pretty cool ideas. And where we ended up is just like mind blowing how much more, how much more innovative and how much more it did push the boundary. Um, We just clicked with this furniture company, um, Kimball office. And they were like, so yeah, that's a great idea, but you know, what would be an even better idea. Um, They were like, look, we understand that the future is changing, that distributed offices and environments and workplaces are the way of the future, which is amazing Mm -hmm. to think about just where we are today. I don't think any of us could have foreseen this and everybody working from home. Um, But, you know, they said, we don't necessarily think we need a showroom. We want to come up with like a mobile option and be like incubators and be a part of this bigger incubation. I mean, truly like the, the conversations we were having, it made no sense for a basketball team and a furniture company to be having these conversations. 
But Mm -hmm. we were so like-minded on this. Um, Scott O'Neill, Chris Heck, and myself, I'll never forget, we got on a plane and flew out to Jasper, Indiana, literally landed in the middle of a cornfield to the headquarters um, (laughs) of this furniture company and had probably one of the most invigorating meetings that I've ever been a part of. And literally the idea of the Innovation Lab was born. So essentially it started as an in-house really like an incubator run by the team. Um, Of course, once we really kicked this off, we brought in Seth Berger as the managing director of our innovation lab. Seth was a Wharton grad and the founder of N1. So he was perfect, had, um, you know, launched and exited his own startup. Um, And now we're probably like 10 to 12 companies through our cycle that we have brought into our lab um, and grown and see through. It's, It's amazing. So I think it's, the Innovation Lab to me is a perfect representation of our brand, of what we're willing to do, of the boundaries that we're willing to push, um, especially when we have a like-minded partner who's you know beside us to help us do it all. Um, there's a lot of you know labs and incubators you see out there with sports teams tied to them, but they really are you know lending their brand, which is an amazing way to do it. Um, but we were the first to do it in-house, which is something that we're really proud of. And the Jersey Patch Partner, I, I think, is something great because um, I loved, like, last season with the Clippers, you know, sponsored by Bumble. Mm-hmm. But I think that's, that's fantastic. Kind of who thought of that and, and who came up with that idea? Yeah, so this – we're always – the league, you know, the league, um, the NBA, they're – they too are probably one of the most innovative leagues. They're at the forefront of everything. We are always looking and evaluating new inventory and new ways for teams, um, you know, to bring their brands and their partners' brands to life. We're going through the same thing right now. You know, we've had to obviously um, with the pandemic and then seeing our season move to a bubble and now starting again with no fans, like this has been a true test of our innovation and what we can do both for our own brand and for our partners. Um, so the league is, is always pushing the boundaries there um, and opening up new opportunities and ways for us um, to, to do that and, and to activate our brand and our partners and to, and to drive more revenue. So it was no surprise that they were the first to open up um, the patch opportunity, um, mm-hmm. which we were super excited about. Um, and we were the first team in the NBA to, announce our partnership um, with StubHub, who is still our Jersey Patch partner um, for another season. And, you know, the cool thing about our Jersey Patch partnership with StubHub is that um, not only do you see their patch on our uniform, but we change the entire ticketing landscape together. Again, another example of these innovative deals Mm -hmm. that we love to do. We essentially took the primary market and the secondary market and blended them. And we said, there's no difference. You know, if you're, if you're a fan Mm -hmm. and you're a user, you know, like when you look for tickets for something, you're like, okay, I'm going to go to the team website and then I'm going to go to StubHub and then I'm going to go here and I'm going to see where I can get the best prices. We said, no, enough of that. We're going to work together and make this a seamless, easy experience for all of our fans and our customers and make it a one-stop shop. Um, and it's been an incredible partnership um, and one that we've we've loved to see through. Another great example of, of how we do things at the organization. And really a genius idea. Makes so much sense. I mean, really, it's just, it's fantastic. So um, kudos for, for, for being the first on that, because that really, that is incredible. Um, so I want to talk a little bit about the world of social media. It is a world yes. we are all navigating all the time. Uh, mm-hmm. I would say most of the time, I actually think it's great. Some of the time, it's not. Um, <laughs> but as, oh, yes. we, as we see uh, constantly. So you did an excellent job 
with the six or so social media, uh, when you were working in marketing and obviously had the tremendous follower count, you do incredible content. How do you navigate that line though, between fun, engaging content and not crossing any lines? And then I would say, what advice do you have for social media directors in that area? Because sometimes we see teams do things that are really funny. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we see things do things that you could see were meant to be funny, but are bordering on mean. Um, and I yeah. think it is a very important line. So I just kind of love to get your your feelings on all Absolutely. That. You know, I'll say a few things. I, I appreciate um, your comments and your compliments. I can take zero credit. One of, you know, one of my mantras and the things I do is I hire really great people and I let them do their thing. I, <laughs> first and but it's foremost. A great, it's a great and important mantra. <laughs> It is. I did not pretend, you know, we have an amazing, amazing, amazing head of content, incredible head of social media. They know the space and we give them the freedom. Um, and I think it's it's even that much more interesting, I think, for an NBA team, especially um, the NBA more so than any league. Like we are a league of superstars. We are superstar driven. Our players are a have incredibly, you know, are incredibly exposed on the court. They are recognizable. They are global celebrities. You know, they don't wear helmets. They don't wear pads. Um, and these guys really cross into fashion, art, culture. Um, they are celebrities and we are a league of superstars and we have successfully, I think, capitalized on that. The Sixers being no different. We have definitely some of our own um, in Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons and Tobias Harris uh -huh. and, and you name it. We have a ton of stars. Um, and and Big I think- Joel Embiid fan here, by the way. Just, oh, who's sorry. not? And by the way, talk about social media. Oh my gosh, he's, mm -hmm. he's the best follow. If anyone is listening to this and does not follow him, you should. And the Sixers, of course. Um, Obviously. <laughs> but it, it is, it's a really, it's a really fine line. I think, you know, we have a mantra at the organization that we use for everything, which is no one is bigger than the brand. You know, it's not about an individual. It's not about one department or one initiative. It's always about the brand of the 76ers and the integrity and what we stand for first and foremost. And so I think with that as our North star, we have been able to be very successful in everything we do. And it, and it speaks to social media as well, because it provides those checks and balances. We know who we are. We know what our brand represents. We know our voice. We know our tone. We know what we would do and what we wouldn't do. Um, and we've really set up our infrastructure to have these checks and balances that are, that are cross-departmental. So someone in ticket sales probably can't do anything without talking to someone in marketing or someone in content run something by PR, you know, and, it, and it's not necessarily to be a handcuff, but it's to keep everyone in check and to protect each other and to protect our brand. Um, and I think by knowing who we are and having, having the brand team really drive and build, you know, Hey, here's, here's what we sound like when we speak. Um, and here's what the 76ers represent and here are our values makes it then really easy to know sort of what's in line and what's out. Um, and that's, that's, I, I think first and foremost, it's knowing who you are and what you represent and who you want to be. Um, and we have a, a really, it's a really hard job, you know, the social media team, it's, on the one hand, you are a media member and you're trying to share stories. And on the other, we are representing the players and the team and we want to do so in the best light um, and make them, of course, you know, I always say, or I always did say when, when I was running marketing, like art, you know, to our players, like your job is to be the best basketball players in the world on the court that you can be. And my job is to make the city of Philadelphia and our fans all over the world fall in love with you. So mm -hmm. let's use all of our assets to do that. And social media is obviously the biggest one. Um, and I think that's really, 
that's really the way the way to be successful is knowing who you are and what you would say. Well, there are two things I want to unpack there. What you just said, I think is so true for a team, a person, anybody that's starting to create a brand when you, you know, create your social media, know who you are mm-hmm. and be true to that and be authentic to that because it doesn't work otherwise. It just, it, you can't be someone else. You can't try to do something because it, it seems like the right thing to do. So I think the knowing who you are is so important. Um, and then something you said at, at the beginning of this discussion was that you hire great people and mm-hmm. let them do their thing. So as a manager, I would love for you to talk a little bit about that because I think it's very hard for us. And I know for me, like with Fangirl, this is my baby. And so I know <laughs> yeah. sometimes I have a hard time just letting go and letting the people who are supposed to do their things just do their things. But it is such an important part of being a manager. So if you could talk a little bit about that. Please. Absolutely. I say this all the time to my team and, and people I mean, I think the hardest transition – anyone makes in their career is that first role where you go from sort of being the doer to being the manager um, Mm -hmm. and making that transition and being comfortable with delegating. Um, But once you do break through that barrier and realize how much more effective and efficient you can be um, and applying sort of your, you know, your mind to more strategy. and, And look, I'm also speaking from a very, you know, the, the craziest thing about sports and these teams is that we're these massive global brands, but like what no one realizes is that we're actually like tiny businesses. So right. we are, we are slim teams. When I say like roll up your sleeves, like everyone in our organization, CEO down, you know, it, it's funny. We were joking about it. I was at our game on Monday night, which was a whole crazy experience. It was my first game in the um, sort of no fans COVID mm-hmm. era. And we were joking because, you know, you're really locked into where you can go. There's like crazy rules and guidelines and regulations, of course, as there should be. (laughs) But we looked down and I was sitting, you know, eight feet away from my boss, which is the closest you can get to anyone. And you're wearing a mask. So it's very hard to have a conversation. And there's a basketball game going on in front of you. But (laughs) on the dashers, because there were so few people, there was literally a cup of coffee like sitting on the top of the dasher. And I was like, Chris, like someone has to move that. It's going to spill. What if then it goes onto the floor? But we can't move. You know what I mean? And we're not allowed to get close to the court. So literally like our CEO was walking by and we're like, Scott, you got to pick up the coffee. So literally in sports, whether you're the CEO or you are a like first year seller, everyone is rolling up their sleeves and picking up the cup of coffee and throwing it away um, if they see it. And that is actually a very important thing. sort of, I think, company value that we have, you know, everyone does their part. Um, but, but it's true. I think, you know, as, as a manager, like having, allowing yourself to have the freedom and to delegate, um, is huge and it's so important. And I think having the confidence to know that you don't know everything and you want to hire experts around you. Um, you know, my team on the marketing side, I'm, I'm really, just a couple months in on the new job, but, but on the marketing side, we really built that team from scratch and my head of content, my head of brand and creative, like I purposely hired people who were experts at what they do and from outside of sports, because I knew that they would help make us better and that they would push the boundary. Um, and I think that's really, really important, um, is hiring smart people who are experts and let them do what they do best, but set up the system and the structure and the processes to allow them to be successful and to have those checks and balances and to have to have the conversation with the other people um, in other departments and obviously myself, you know, before they do anything. But it's, it's really, it's been a recipe for success for us, for sure. 
Well, and I think, again, you said a couple things. Um, it's it's funny. When I, in my previous life, I worked in politics. I worked for the mayor of D.C. And mm. when I got um, my first cabinet position was running the office of boards and commissions. And we yes. had a staff. There were four of us, including me. And my predecessor said to me, and I was used to, before that, I was like special assistant to the mayor and you were working 24-7, which you kind of always do in politics anyways. But she said to me, if you're at the office at 8 o'clock at night, you're not delegating enough. 100%. You, should, you know, she was like, you should be able to, she's like, it doesn't mean you're turning off your phone and not paying attention or whatever, but like you should be able to leave at 6 or 6.30 um, and know you put in a full day. And so I thought that was like very, I thought that was very Stuck good advice. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. Did. I think there's this, you know, and I think especially, you know, well, first and foremost, you you know, your previous life in politics, you should know, I think if I wasn't in sports, that's 100% what I would be doing. I'm a total junkie. Oh, love it. Um, love it. Kindred spirits, Michigan. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> Great. Um, you know, I think, I think especially as a woman in sports, people feel the need to like work harder and prove that they're worth and that they should be there. And a lot of the way people do that is by time, by committing more time, you know, and that's mm-hmm. not the case at all, to your point. Like, no, if you're not. doing your job well, you are efficient. You, like, it's not about time checking, you know. And and in sports, it's crazy. We have 50-plus games a year at our arena and nights that we have to be there. And, you know, our, I always say this, like, in sports, we work basically the hours of doctors, but we're not saving lives. I mean, truly. Mm-hmm. So it's like we have to understand, you know – how to manage our time and how to delegate or else it will just take over. Um, so I love that. I think that's like incredible, incredible advice to receive. Yeah, it was. It was good advice. And it's, you know, definitely in what I'm doing now, it's it's more difficult because, you know, to your point, there's a small team and all that. But there are times where I really do try. And, you know, even last week between Christmas and New Year's, um, I also cover the 49ers. I'm a beat writer. So it's like two mm-hmm. pretty, you know, time-consuming positions. Um, But, you know, last week between Christmas and New Year's, obviously I had my beat writer responsibilities, which I wouldn't change for anything. But I like – this wasn't easy for me. But I said, we're not doing podcasts next week. I'm taking that time off. Good for you. And it was hard, but it was the right thing to do because, like, everybody needs a little break. And to your point, like, we're not saving lives. No one will die without listening to the podcast. They're great. And I hope everybody (laughs) subscribes and loves them. But it was okay – to take yes. that week and say, no, we're not doing it this week. And yeah. I'm going to take that No, and look, you're lucky that you get to make that decision. I think that like yes. for other, you know, younger, younger people coming up, it's like that, that's why for me, you know, who you work for, where you work, the organization, mm-hmm. the values, what they stand for is so important. You know, at Hair Splitzer Sports and all the way from our, our managing partners, Josh and David, down to our CEO, everyone, you know, at each, each team and each culture, like, that is encouraged like you know the 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 idea which frankly i actually think doesn't exist but the idea of work life balance like it it is it is encouraged um to you know we're not like checking time cards here like you do your job you do it to the highest level we all like kick butt and then like take the time you need work hard play hard and it's when i worked for the mayor I mean, I was always available. He's the mayor. And we, there was a city to run on a daily basis. Yes. But I, if I ever said I couldn't do something, he knew I really couldn't. 
Right. You know, because because and that's the other thing too is you are starting out in your career. You want to set boundaries, but you also want to work hard. You know, and advance as you want to advance. But I think if you're available and diligent and a good worker and you're saying yes most of the time, people will respect it if you say no. 100%. If you're constantly saying no, then that's a different story 100%. altogether. Absolutely. Um, but I think that's that's important. And that was another place where I learned to your point on the cup of coffee story. Like you're the no one's bigger than the brand is so important. And I think mm-hmm. it's such an important thing for all of us in our jobs. And so I think that I really like that that's the mantra. Absolutely. I mean, you're going to turn me into like a full-on 76ers fan. I hope so. That's my job, right? (laughs) That's your job. It's still your job. Please don't tell the Lakers because I grew up on them. However, you're fully going to turn me into a 76ers fan. Um, They can be my Eastern Conference team. That's Great. We'll take it. That'll be the direction we'll go. Um, You just brought up work-life balance, so I want to talk a little bit about that. Um, Sure. And talk a little bit how you prioritize your home life and your work life. And I, I do agree with you. I don't think balance is really the right word. And, and I struggle to find another one because that word seems obsolete. So I would mm-hmm. say, how do you prioritize and how do you allow those priorities to change as needed? Sure. Yeah, it's true. I, you know, I think we throw around that term so easily all the time. Work-life balance. Like we want you to have work-life balance. Like you know, ultimately, it, 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 I don't I don't think it exists. I think it shouldn't be about, you know, having balance. It should be about being present where you are, mm-hmm. you know, and I think um, whether it's and it's about prioritizing and know sort of what day and what week and what month, what things are most important um, for me, if it's the first week of the playoffs, I'm probably going to spend a lot of time at work or at the arena or that's going to be my priority that Mm -hmm. week. But then the next week or the next month, I'll be able to say, okay, you know what, now I'm going to like shut down for three days and spend it at home. Or if, you know, one morning I'm going to spend the morning with my sons. And then, cause I know I have a game that night. Like I, I think it's just about prioritizing and, and being present where you are. You know, one of the, one of the rules my husband and I had last year, which I think we got a little bad about, and we just talked about it as part of our new year's resolutions. It's like when we got, you know, we know like the workday doesn't end at six for anybody really. But when I come home and I get home at six o'clock, can I just like put down my phone and ignore it for two hours and be focused at home until I put my kids to bed? And then when they're asleep, then I can go back online. But again, we're not saving lives. Nothing is urgent. And so I think it's, again, maintaining, you know, being true to yourself and who you are and knowing that you just being focused on where you are when you're there um, and knowing that some weeks it might be more about work or some weeks it might be more about home or some weeks it more be about something else. And that's okay. Um, and hope, you just hope that in the end it all, it all evens out. Um, but there probably won't be a perfect balance in any day or any week or any month. So, you know, don't expect the balance, but mm-hmm. know what what's most important. I like the idea of being present where you are. Yes. I think that's a really, really good way to think about it. Because then when you're at work, you can be very present and focused at work as you need to be. And it will make it easier for you to be present at home. Yep. Like if you know that, which and vice versa. And it's something, it's something that I say, but I am definitely continuing to work on <laughs> and do my, as, you know, as we try all. my hardest. Yes. And we are all a work in progress. I think that also brings up a point um, for everybody, whether it be a young woman wanting to work in sports, a young man wanting to work in sports, 
you know, everyone is doing the best we can. It's okay to make mistakes. It's okay to to mess up. That's where you're going to learn. And it, it's okay not to be perfect all the time. And like your failures, not to – now I sound like Tony Robbins, but your failures <laughs> are where, where you're going to grow the most. 100. I say this all the time, you know, to people or like to young people wanting to break into sports. I'm like, it's wonderful if you know or think that you want to be the GM of a team in 20 years. That's great. But like, it's okay to not know that. And sometimes when you have that laser focus on one thing, you close your mind to other opportunities that might come your way. So I think Mm -hmm. being open-minded, you know, through your career is really important because you learn just as much from a job, what you don't like as what you do like. And I think that's actually really important to find out maybe what you don't like or have that one boss that wasn't the greatest or, you know, the one colleague that was really hard to work with because then you learn what you want to be. So, you know, not, not to take the negative side of it, but, but no, it's a hundred percent. But I think that is important because if you're completely laser focused and decide you want to be a GM in 20 years, and you never stop to think about, is that really what you like? You may not like being a GM. I mean, right? it sound, <laughs> what it sounds like is not actually what it is, yep. <laughs> you know? And, 100%. Um, I was yeah, actually, and I go back to like the, the my graduating from college, like, oh, I want to do sports marketing. If I actually uh-huh. stuck to that and, and to what I thought that would mean, I probably wouldn't be where I am today. Well, let's talk a little bit about where you are today, about being the chief revenue officer. Um, how has your job changed and what have you found the most challenging so far? Mm, great question. How has my job changed? Well, it's changed a lot. So I went from um, you know overseeing the brand, the social media, the um, mm-hmm. like CR and youth and blah, 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 to, to now it's, it's really ticket sales, ticket... Um, um, ticket retention, um, all of our account management, sponsorship sales, sponsorship activation, and our partnership solutions department. So it's it's really the other half of the business. So in terms of the day to day, it's it's changed in terms of you know what I'm focused on, what's most important, and and who I'm working directly with. I think where um, it hasn't changed is that going back to the beginning and what I said before, like the belief and our mantra that no one is bigger than the brand makes us having been collaborative, you know, the whole time since I've been with the organization from the beginning. So we, I take the approach as does um, our president, Chris and Scott, like everyone sells and everyone's marketing. Everyone is, is selling our brand and representing our brand. Um, We are all doing the same thing, working towards the same goal. Um, And I think now it's just taking sort of that, perspective from the marketing side and moving it over to the revenue side. And I did start on the revenue side. You know, I was starting and I started at the organization in business development Mm -hmm. um, and bringing in large scale deals. So I think, you know, this, this in a way does come full circle for me, but having the different vantage points, um, having, you know, started selling, oversaw activation for a little bit, then the marketing side, like it will enable me to be that much better um, at the job overseeing tickets and sponsorships. Um, because I understand how important everyone from marketing and CR and PR is to make us successful on the revenue side. Um, and I think maybe, you know, a lot of people look at a career in sports and they think of it as very linear. You know, you start in tickets, mm-hmm. you are up in tickets, great. Um, I've probably done the opposite, but I think, um, you know, the ability to be nimble and, you know, have a more dynamic skill set 
um, actually allows us to be better. And we do this a lot at the organization. Like we are definitely of the mindset that you take sort of the rock stars um, and the talent and you maybe like throw them in the deep end in a completely different department. We do this Mm -hmm. a lot. Um, But it actually, it's the same reason why I hire people outside sports. It drives us to be better. Um, And, and it's great. And I think especially, you know, in the sports world, we are changing. Um, Traditionally, a lot of the teams you would see, you know, the sales side and the marketing side, and they're very siloed and they don't really talk to each other. I think that's changing. Like we have to be better. We have to be more innovative and to do so. There are a lot more roles now that you see at teams that sort of had one foot in sales and one foot in marketing um, and are very solutions oriented. Um, and I think, I think, you know, we'll hopefully see more of that um, over time versus just the, okay, I'm going to be in sales or okay, I'm going to be in marketing because at the end of the day, we're all working towards the same goal. Have you found that there was a particular challenge you faced uh, in your career? A particular challenge I faced? Um, you know, I honestly think the biggest challenge is is finding that, you know, Again, I'm going to go back to saying balance because to your point, there's no other word, but that's not what it is. Maybe the word is harmony. I don't know. Like knowing well, that like it's harmony. not, yeah, like it's not going to be a perfect balance. Um, I, I think I, you know, I could answer it a couple ways. Like again, for me, that that will you know always be the challenge is finding what that perfect harmony is and being okay with it not being, you know, an equilibrium every week. Um, especially being in a career where it's a lot of nights and it's a lot of weekends and I have, you know, two boys under two and a half. So I want to be there for them and, and um, with them. And, and then I think, you know, more sort of tactically on the career side is what I was saying before. I think the hardest, you know, challenge is, is going from, um, you know, like I'm a total OCD control freak, you know, like I'd rather just like do it all myself. <laughs> and um, is, is that breakthrough of, of, almost delegation and of, of growing other people and growing managers. It's a really hard challenge to overcome, but once you do, I think it's really, it's really freeing and it's, it's in a, it's amazing new experience to see what growing other talent um, does and, and gives you and how it fuels you versus just doing the job yourself. Uh, I want to talk a little bit. Um, you've received numerous awards uh, throughout your career, including a regional Emmy and being named a cult brand by The Gathering, which is making a lot of sense when we talk about the 76ers brand and the priorities. But what does it mean to be recognized in that way? Oh, it's amazing. It's it's really it's really wonderful to, you know, see reap the rewards of our hard work and, and see it come to life. I think especially you know, for me personally and professionally, um, being from Philadelphia, being so passionate about this team and this brand, we walked into a situation when I started eight years ago that, you know, in a city of four professional sports teams, we were four out of four. The brand was pretty dormant um, and it had this incredible history and it was like really, you know, disappointing to see. And we had our work cut out for us to bring us back to life um, and to be a part of really this renaissance and this incredible um, experience from the ground up. You know, I started essentially along with a core group of us of year one of the process that we call it. Um, Mm -hmm. And to see, you know, I think the ultimate reward would be let's go win a world championship. I think we'd all be really happy with that. Um, just short of that though, would be being recognized for the hard work we've done. I think probably the ones I'm 
I'm most proud of are, are being um, named a cult brand. Um, that was really special. Um, and, and then I think this year we recently won team of the year um, from the Cleos. And that was, that was really amazing just to see us being recognized for our hard work. I mean, we're having fun and we're staying authentic and true to ourselves and, and just doing what we like to do. But it's always nice when someone else tells you you did a good job and that your strategy is working. Um, yeah, fair. But <laughs> <laughs> that, is, that is very fair. Um, well, before we get to five fun facts, I am wondering if you could take us through a day in the life of Katie O'Reilly. It can be a game day. It could be not a game day. I'll, I'll give it to you, your choice, but would love to hear a little bit about a day in the life. Sure. I'm sure a game day is a little bit more exciting, although it's funny, the game days now are so different. Um, mm-hmm. A day in my life these days is trying to get up really early to get a lot done before my kids wake up, including exercise, but them always deciding to wake up even earlier <laughs> and <laughs> not allowing me to do any of the stuff I wanted to do, which I think just goes back to like, it's all a learning process. Like nothing is perfect. Um, but I'll spend, you know, I spend, I try to spend the mornings at home, whether it's a game day or a non-game day, like focus on the family getting everyone breakfast and fed. And then I sort of switch gears. I used to obviously drive to the office. Now I've recently just been walking down the hall, which has come with its (laughs) own beauty and challenges. It's wonderful to be able to, you know, pop in and out when I'm getting water and, and see my boys, but it also makes it hard (laughs) to be on a call and hear screaming in the background. Um, But I think it also is allowing us more flexibility. So, you know, on a game day, it's, working from home and being on 11 different Zooms and getting ready and prepping for the game. And do we have clients? Do we have, um, do we have celebrities? Do we have guests? You know, who's ringing the bell that night, which is one of our, which is one of our um, traditions that we do before every game. Um, Mm -hmm. And then usually on a game day around three o'clock, we drive over to the arena um, and, you know, do walkthroughs and do preps and make sure everything's ready. Um, and if we have clients and, and customers there, um, try to get some dinner in before tip. <laughs> um, and usually on a game day, since I probably didn't wake up early enough to exercise before the day, you try to squeeze in a workout between three and five uh, before the game. And then you are, it's always funny because people are like, oh, you guys go to every game. What do you do at the games? I'm like, honestly, like I'm usually just like sitting and watching. Um, because especially in my old, in my old world of marketing, you know, we want to see how it's coming to life. Um, if we have, you know, sponsors or if there are season ticket members there that there's always at least, you know, like a handful of people that you want to visit and stop by and say hi to. But a lot of it also is just about seeing the experience and, and what it's like from the vantage point from our fans, because at the end of the day, it's all about our fans. Um, and hopefully the tip is not too late that you don't get home too late. <laughs> but a lot of these game nights are then wrapping at, you know, pulling home at 10, 11. Um, I will say I went to the game this week and it was a different experience leaving an arena with no fans versus leaving an arena with 20,000 mm-hmm. fans. Not as much traffic. I got home a lot faster, which was really nice. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that does make, it definitely does make a big yes. difference. Yes. But I also um, think that's the beauty of our jobs in sports. Like every day is so different. You know, some days... Yes. You're, you know, in a normal world, you're like downtown meeting with clients or sponsors, or some days you're at the arena, you're at a game. Some days you're just at the training complex and have internal meetings. Like every day really is different. And because the organization is so small and we are so collaborative, um, 
you know, cross-functionally across departments, you could be spending a whole day talking about tickets or one day talking about social media, one day doing sponsorships. It's like one day, like popping over to practice. I mean, it's, it's the diversity of every day, I think is what makes it really fun and keeps it really interesting. That's awesome. That's awesome. This has been great. Uh, thank you, Katie, though, before thank I let you, you go, of course. of course. Oh, of course we have to do five fun facts. So our listeners know this. This is something I started with 49ers players uh, where I do it with them one-on-one. This season's been on Zoom. Normally it's in person awesome. on my iPhone. Yep, um, I'm familiar with on- that. We did a whole media day on Zoom, so I feel your pain. <laughs> yes. It's been, there's been a lot of Zoom. Actually, the day that we're recording this, I think it's my first Zoom, first day without a Zoom media availability since maybe July. Oh, so that's nice. That was, yeah. So that's kind of... Um, kind of a kind of a weird feeling. Yeah. Um, I keep feeling like there's something else I have to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, we are going to do five fun facts on this podcast. We ask everybody the same five questions every week and it's great, great because we get five different a- answers. So without further ado, five fun facts with Katie O'Reilly. All right, Katie, what is your favorite moment in sports? Favorite moment in sports. Um, okay, I'm going to cheat and rattle off three really quickly. Um, you can. I would say the first is the 2008 World Series. I grew up in Philly. There's nothing like growing up here, being championship-less your entire diehard sports fan childhood, and then getting that first taste of winning. And that was the year the Phillies won the World Series. I was at game four when Joe Blinton, who was the pitcher at the time, hit a home run. I was at the parade. By the way, I was also at the parade when the Eagles won the Super Bowl. Um, oh, it was another special moment um, that I'll never forget. I was back in the city, but like your first championship as a fan is amazing. I would say the second is, and you will love this, um, 2003, I guess it was, Michigan versus Ohio State. We we won. We beat Ohio State to clinch a spot in the Rose Bowl. That was my freshman year. I, it, you know, you get it. There's not like to me. There's something really special about your fandom in the city you're from. There's something that's really different and really special. Your college fandom. Um, and like, that was mm-hmm. amazing. My little brother was actually visiting me and like stormed the field and I was terrified. And oh, thought I lost him. So anyway, that was really oh fun. Oh, amazing. So, yeah. Awesome. That's a whole other story. Maybe we'll take up a whole other podcast. Um, <laughs> and then I would say my third favorite would be the 2018 NBA playoffs. That was our first at the 76ers, our first postseason home victory against the heat. And we had literally spent five years, uh, working for that moment. Um, and if if anyone is listening, familiar with the process, you know that we went through a lot of years of of not winning um, many games and not having many fans in the arena. So that first that first playoff home win, there was like truly nothing like it. That's amazing, and I love that you bend all these parades. <laughs> diehard fan, you know, diehard fan. Of I ab- absolutely love it. What is your life motto? My life motto. Um, this is a hard, you know, this is a hard one. I, I'm going to have to steal steal from work a little bit and say it's trust the process. <laughs> Truly, That's like true. it is everything happens for a reason. Believe in the process, like learn as you go. Um, and, and hopefully every experience leads you to where you should be. Go to workout. Go to workout, uh, spinning and yoga. I'm going to do two. Coffee order. Go to coffee order. Oat milk latte. Oh, I love an I already had like three today. It's kind of not great, but they're delicious. <laughs> I think I'll maybe make one when we're done here because that sounds amazing. Uh, and a book every woman should read. A book every woman should read. Um, you know, I wouldn't say necessarily specific to women because there are so many books that are must-reads for everybody that I share with my team. 
Um, I would say a couple. One, Walter Isaacson, Steve Jobs biography. It's just inspiring. It's something I think like everybody should read. We all know that brand. Um, truly nothing like it. Um, what brand is that? Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> um, there's another book, uh, Steal Like an Artist, it's called by Austin Cleon. This was actually given to me by by my director of content, a guy named Sean Spencer at the 76ers. Um, and it's something that I've actually gone back to many, many times, especially during the pandemic, just about innovation and creativity. Um, I'll also just say lastly, like I'm currently reading Barack Obama's memoir. I'm reading A Promised Land. I, I think mm -hmm. I cried on the second page in the preface. So like, you know, it's amazing and inspiring in its own way. Um, and I'll probably add seven more books next week when I hopefully read more. It's another one of my New Year's resolutions to get back into reading. But I think you can find stuff that's inspiring from all different industries and apply it to what you're doing. I love it. Thank you. Thank you so much, Katie. This Thank was you. Fantastic. Absolutely. You guys, if you like what you heard, and I know you did, please make sure to leave us a five-star review and don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Fangirl Sports Network. I'll talk to everybody next week. Bye, y'all. Sports opinions with a side of satire. We're the First and Tens, a weekly show delivering the spiciest opinions on football, life, and especially each other. And we can do that because we've been best friends for so long. I'm Amy. And I'm Jasmine. First and Tens will bring you sports from the female perspective while also injecting pop culture, fashion, and music into our daring dialogue. We're saucy, edgy, and most of all, we, we think, think we're, we're funny, funny AF. AF. First and Tens, light on stats, heavy on sass. Follow us at firstintenspodcast.com. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.